uh, take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read just one verse uh, tonight. Just one verse as we're making our way through the book of Colossians. A very practical section of Scripture. And the doctrinal portion of Colossians but it's not before we learn who we are in Christ that now we need to behave a certain way because of our standing in Christ, because of, our, because of who we are in Christ. So we're in that section that Paul says, okay, because of all that I just said, and now we need to go and do and, and live. Um, and so with that, we're going to read just uh, verse 21 here, where the Bible simply says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you for uh, the time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, even for the testimony of, of these missionaries uh, back in the 50s, Lord, who uh, were willing to put their lives on the line to get the gospel out uh, to those who needed it. And God, help us, Lord, to be willing to uh, sacrifice and serve you in a way, Lord, that uh, we would be willing to put our lives on the line as well. And uh, I just pray that you'd bless now the time in your word, help us to have a clear mind, and uh, help us to apply the truth to our lives, especially as parents. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I enjoy the story of the three young fathers who were in the waiting room of the hospital. Now, I'm thankful that in our day and age, the dads are allowed to be in the room, but uh, back in the day, um, young dads had to be in the waiting room waiting for the news on whether it was a boy or a girl and all of that. Well, the first, uh, the first young father was told that his wife gave birth to twins, and he was, he was pretty shocked and said, that, that's kind of ironic because I play baseball for the Minnesota Twins. Well, later the nurse came out and told the second man, congratulations, you are the father of triplets. He said, no, that, that really? That's amazing because I work for the company called 3M. I got triplets. Well, the next man, the third man, once he heard that, he just fainted. And when he woke up, they asked him, what's wrong? He said, well, I work for 7up. <laughs> so... Now, there's been some major highlight days in my life, a handful of true mountaintop moments. Uh, the day I got saved on Christmas night, 1988, as a 12-year-old young man. When I got married on, oh boy, what was the day I got married? July 1st, 2000, uh, when uh, my wife and I stood at the, um, at the altar, altar in uh, Fair Oaks, California, and we both said, I do before God and uh, a couple hundred witnesses. Um, that was a special day. Uh, another special day in my life was when I was ordained to the gospel ministry back in September of 2018. And then a couple weeks, or about two or three weeks later, um, another highlight moment of my life was my first Sunday as the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. But I, can, I will never forget the four wonderful days that uh, God allowed me to live when our, each of our children entered into this world and when I became a parent. Now, many of us never went to school to learn how to be a parent. Oh, well, maybe you read some books, 
But for the most part, when we became parents, we had no idea what we were doing. We had to learn on the fly, and for many, they learned how to parent from their own experience with the parents that they had growing up. And sometimes those were good experiences, and other times they were not. Now, one, thing's, uh, one thing most dads are famous for is claiming that they don't need the instructions. All right, they order some gadget from Amazon or they buy something from the hardware store and they uh, think that they can figure it out on their own, only to go back to the instructions once they realize they're lost without them. Now, God has given to us a blueprint in His Word for child rearing. And you and I can think, well, we don't need this, I can figure it out on my own. Um, that's kind of fool's talk because God has given us the best way to raise our children and He makes it clear in His Word. And He doesn't make it complicated. He actually makes it quite simple. Now here in Colossians chapter 3, we've been learning that Paul says that our new life is in Christ and that we are in Christ, we are risen with Christ, and as a result we need to put off the great clothes of the old man, we need to put on the grace clothes of the new man, and that um, a life, uh, the fact that we are risen with Christ is now to be lived out in the home within, first of all, the marriage relationship. And we see this in verse number 18 and 19. We, we, we spend some time looking at that. Wives, submitting yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands are to love their wives and be not bitter against them. This Christian, Christian marriage uh, should be different from um, the worldly marriage. And um, those who are Christians, uh, it ought to be evident in our marriage. It also uh, should be evident within um, those who are children, okay? Christian children should show forth the fact that they have been born again as well when it comes to their relationship with their parents. But, but tonight now we're going to look at the fact that Christian parents also need to live out their new life in Christ and how they raise their children, it ought to be different because of their relationship with God and the fact that they are risen with Christ. Okay, now let's look at uh, several thoughts here, and we're probably going to get through just the first two thoughts tonight, and uh, it probably is going to be a two-part message. Um, you're welcome for that, but um, I, I don't think we have time to get through all of it tonight, so um, we're going to just probably look at the first couple thoughts, and, uh, and then you have to promise to be back next Sunday, okay? So if I, if I do this, you got to promise everybody in the room has to be here next Sunday, okay? Um, okay, so first of all, the first um, instruction that we see in the Word of God regarding parenting, uh, Christian parenting, first of all, we need, uh, it says, do not provoke. Do not provoke. In verse 21... Uh, very simple, fathers. And of course, this is dealing with two dads. This is a direct instruction to fathers. But certainly, moms, you can, um, you can take application here as well. But fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. By the way, in uh, Ephesians chapter number 6, if you want to just flip back over there, just a couple, a uh, few pages in your Bible, we're going to see that this same command is repeated in Ephesians chapter number 6. Uh, Ephesians 6 and verse number 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so this is an important deal. Uh, this is repeated uh, both in Colossians and Ephesians, so it underscores its importance. 
And in his book, Parenting a Soul, Raising Children to the Glory of God, author Dr. Lance Ketchum uh, offers some ways children can be provoked to anger and to wrath. And uh, now, before I get into this, um, just, a, just a quick illustration here. When, uh, when I was growing up, we had a dog in our home named Racky. She was half Dalmatian, half Black Lab. And uh, I think when we got her, they said, well, her name's Racky, but you can call her whatever. And uh, when we, she started barking, we're like, Racky kind of fits because she kind of makes a racket. Um, so we're going to stay with that. Well, my, my brother and I, uh, we, had, we had fun with Racky. You know, she was a good dog, mostly. Um, she was a super dog. She, she killed uh, birds, and she was a good hunter in our backyard. Um, one day she... Uh, she stayed at a neighbor's house um, while we were working on some backyard stuff. We needed someone to watch our dog. And, and one of the neighbors, he watched Racky do this. Um, there was a bad guy that literally came into their backyard. She barked at him, and he ran over the fence out of their backyard, and she jumped the fence and chased him down the street. And then once he was down the street, she came back and went in the fence. And I'm like, my dog? Uh, that's, that's, that was Racky. She was a cool dog. Um, and we, when I was a teenager, I had rollerblades, and I had her on a leash, and she would, she would pull me. We would go probably 50 miles an hour, maybe exaggerating, but we would go down to the park, and, and uh, I would try to use this dog to, to find girls. It didn't work. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had a good time with this dog. Well, the we, we got bored uh, several times, my brother and I did, because we were, you know, we stayed home uh, alone for a f several times, and, and uh, in one of those times, we would, you know, put blankets over her, we would try to, you know, dress her up all silly, and we, we pulled her tail, we pulled her ears, and you know what? It eventually provoked her. She started snapping and biting us, and we're like, and, and not like really biting us, but she was basically saying, knock it off okay uh, you're you're provoking me to anger and uh, now if we're not careful as parents we can do the same thing with our children and again in this book um, that uh, I read when we were up in Montana uh, just an encouraging book regarding parenting and it was a convicting book as well called parenting a soul by dr. Lance Ketchum in this book he offers some ways in which children can be provoked to anger and to wrath here are some ways Number one, uh, neglect or ignore them. And I know that most of us would not say, oh, I want to ignore my children. I want to neglect my children, but our actions say otherwise because many times we choose other things over them. And uh, if you think about some of the uh, issues in society, uh, you can really trace it to neglect or uh, parents ignoring their children. In fact, here's some statistics very quickly here. Uh, from the Center of Dece for Disease Control, 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. So 85%, it's not just a small majority, it's almost all of them come from fatherless homes. When, when dad says, you know what, you're not important to me, I'm just going to... I don't need to be here, and they run away for one, uh, one reason or another. 
71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, which is nine times the average. 75%, three-fourths of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. So when we, as parents, when either mom or dad decides that we're not going to be there and we're not engaged in their lives, uh, we start neglecting or ignoring them. It provokes the children to wrath. Number two, and to abuse them physically by punching, kicking, slapping, shaking, throwing, beating, shoving, etc. Now, we are to discipline. We're going to get into that a little later in the, uh, in the message. Uh, but we never need to cross that line to where it becomes abuse. And when we do, that does provoke uh, these children. Number three, not only abusing them physically, but abusing them psychologically by calling them clumsy, no good, stupid, sloppy, dummy. And maybe using those words, but abusing them by just even your actions, your expressions, your tone of voice that is so condescending. Number four, you can provoke your children by constantly finding fault with them. How come you always do this? You, 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 don't, you didn't do this, and, and you forgot again. Just constantly finding fault. Now, I'm not saying they don't need correction. Uh, I think that there is a balance here, but if that's what they constantly are hearing from you, just negative, finding fault with them, it's going to provoke them to wrath. Number five, refusing to listen to them. By sending off the I'm too busy for you signals. I know that you, we would never say, hey, I'm too busy for you, kid. Get out of here, kid. You bother me from like that one cartoon. Um, that one rooster. Get out of here, kid. You bother me. Uh, we don't need to be doing that in our homes with our children. Our kids are precious to us. At least they ought to be. And, and they should never bother us to the point where we push them aside. Now, I... I Obviously, there's a balance here, um, but refusing to listen to them by not allowing them input, discussion, explanations, or questions, and, and especially as the, kids, the children get older, they need explanation. They need some uh, instruction on why we said no and, and, and the purpose and the reason behind it um, when we just refuse to listen to them and refuse to talk to them and explain that does provoke them to wrath. And number six, being too permissive. Oh, I want my children to learn to think for himself or herself. Children need to experience life. Well, what was the result in Adonijah's um, life? Adonijah was one of the sons of King David. Um, who was the son of Haggith. Um, she was one of the wives of King David. The Bible says in 1 Kings 1, it says, Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased or disciplined him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he was a very goodly 
man and his mother bear him after Absalom. So here Adonijah uh, rebels against his dad because he failed to uh, discipline him and he was too permissive. And I, I know that there's a, you know, well, I don't want to tell my kid no. I, don't, I want to let him learn from himself and, and experience this world and all of that. Um, but here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself, the child who's been, his parents are too permissive, here's what the result's going to be. Bringeth his mother to shame. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Number seven, he says, demand too much of them intellectually, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Have too high of demands. And, and, and we should encourage our kids to strive for greatness and, and uh, for excellence in their life. But, but if it's too much... It's going to eventually provoke them to wrath. Uh, number eight, this is a big one. Have double standards or changing standards. Create a parent versus child attitude. In other words, uh, we as parents, we get to do things, and you children don't get to do the same things. Now, to a point, like, I get to stay up later than my kids do. Although, I want to go to bed earlier than they do because I'm getting older. <laughs> Um, but here's, here's, here's the thing. I mean, there are going to be things, okay, well, I can drive a car. You can't because you're 11 years old, Mark. Okay. Um, there, there are some things that I'm going to get to do that, that our kids are not going to. But when it comes to, well, I get to, I get to watch these type of movies, but you don't because you're a kid. I can handle the profanity. I can handle the uh, violence. I can handle the nudity. Can I? Double standard. Um, create uh, a wrong today, right tomorrow attitude, depending on whatever mood you're in. Today it's wrong, but tomorrow I'm tired. It's okay. Well, you can watch it now. Well, yesterday it was wrong, but today it's okay. And it changes all the time, and there's no consistency. That's going to create confusion and ultimately provoke them to wrath. So having double standards, changing standards. Number nine, and this is probably the, the biggest one I think on the list in my mind, have constant unresolved marital or parental discord or conflict. Many behavioral or attitudinal problems often are often a reflection of the following three things. Uh, number one, personal problems in parents, lack of self-control, selfishness, anger, other emotions, marital problems, unresolved difficulties between husband and wife, and then failure to follow the biblical directives for parenting, inconsistency. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty nine: He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. Now, let me speak to that last one on marriage for a minute. In both, Paul's letter, in, in both of Paul's letters, where this command appears in Ephesians and Colossians, where he spends some time talking about the importance of husband and wife fulfilling their roles in marriage. And those are mentioned before he gets to the parents' situation and their responsibility. So this means the priority, the biblical priority, is that we should focus first on the health of 
on the health of our own marriage, then on our children. Now, many homes sadly have these priorities backwards. Kids come first, and then marriage. And moms in particular do this, where when, when the little one comes, the mama bear comes out, and it's like, hey, God has given me this little child to raise, and, and I'm going to protect him or her at all costs, even to the neglect of my own marriage. That's not biblical, friend. And, and I know that this is a sensitive topic, and, and, but I'm, I'm telling you that it's not biblical to go in that order. The order is husband-wife relationship, most important uh, human relationship, then the parental uh, relationship. Because hopefully, um, you know, as time goes, your kids will move on, and then you're going to be stuck with the person that you married, and it's like... That person is going to struggle because you put the kids in front of them the entire time they were in the house. And then now you're supposed to be one happy couple as empty nesters? Hmm. Remember when uh, Luke, who's here tonight, and I'm thankful for that, but uh, when Luke was, uh, well, when, when Seth was born, I'll just, I want to compare the two, okay? Seth was the perfect baby. Um, he, he was ugly, but he was a good, well-mannered baby. Um, I've shared the story about the bruising there, and I'm like, oh boy, this kid's ugly. But it, when he made up for it, he made up for it in the fact that he was able to start sleeping through the night at age, or five nights old, five days old. He started sleeping through the entire night. It was like, this parenting thing is like cake. Easy peasy. Okay, a couple years go by. A little boy is born named Luke. And he is not like his brother at all. In fact, that kid had this high-pitched squeal of a cry that like, you know, like gets under your skin when he was born. And... We thought, we thought, okay, well, just got to wait five nights and this kid's going to sleep through the night because that's how all babies are. <laughs> that is not how all babies are. <laughs> uh, Luke did not get the memo on that one. He didn't go to the same class that Seth went to because he didn't start sleeping through the night. And we had him in our room in a little bassinet there, and he was crying at like 1 and 2 in the morning, and I'm like, dude, I love you and all, but I got to get up in a couple hours to go to work. Stop your crying. There was, one, there was one night where he was doing this, and you know it was like, okay, this kid had been fed. Uh, this kid had been changed. And this kid needs to just think and go to sleep. And he just was laying there crying. I think he wanted us to hold him and coddle him and all that stuff. And I'm like, we're not coddling this kid at 2 a.m. Not happening, man. I got to get my sleep. And so I told Julie, I said, hey, we're gonna, we were upstairs, and there was a guest room downstairs. And I said, we're taking this kid. I'm taking this kid right now, and he's going to go sleep it out and cry it out in that crib down in the downstairs guest room. And my wife was like, are you sure? But she was so tired, she didn't really have much strength to fight. And I said, we're taking this kid down there. I put him down there, and I'm like, Luke, night, night. 
head down, night, night. And then I went upstairs, and he was crying, 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 and I closed the door, and I was like, ah. Yeah, he was still crying, crying, crying. And, uh, well, guess what? I fell asleep, and believe it or not, Julie fell asleep as well. And then she woke up like, what have I done? I'm a mom. I'm a terrible mom. I fell asleep while my kid was down there. And she goes down there and checks on him, and, and there was Luke. And guess what? Luke survived because he's here tonight. He's a survivor of that horrible parental treatment. But look, I wasn't going to let this little kid um, come between my wife and I. And that was, in that moment, that's what it was becoming. And, and mom and dad, don't, don't let your kids come between the two of you. And, uh, and children do not belong between mom and dad in the bedroom. We ought not to allow our children to come between husband and wife. That relationship was there before they came. At least it should be. And then it'll be there after they're gone and living their adult life. So let's keep the right priorities, the biblical priority of, of, of the marriage relationship first and a strong marriage relationship. And then we focus on the parental relationship. Because see, look, the health of the marriage is of utmost importance. Why? Because I don't really think it could be calculated the amount of wrath that children are provoked to through mom and dad getting a divorce. Now, as I look across the room, I'm aware that I am speaking to some here who have been through a divorce. And I'm not here to, to beat anybody up tonight, but the fact is divorce doesn't just affect the two getting the divorce. It also immense, immensely impacts the children, especially the younger ones. So as I speak to mostly believers in the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight, we need to remember that the decision to marry is a lifelong commitment to your spouse and to God. God takes vows very seriously. Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel, Oh, it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? Look, you remember those, the day that you stood in, in the, uh, in, at, at the altar to, to say before God and all those witnesses, I do? You remember that? God took that seriously. He was listening. And you say, well, I was just kidding. Or it was a temporary vow. God doesn't look at it that way. It's a permanent vow. And when we break that vow, it, it breaks the heart of God. But ultimately, it also breaks the heart of your children. We're caught up in that. Someone, an unknown author, said this, The greatest gift a father can give to his children is to love their mother. The best thing that you can do in raising your kids, mom and dad, in raising them is to love each other and have a strong, healthy, loving relationship between the two of you. Let your kids see you enjoy each other and, and love each other. Because when they do, it truly creates a loving and secure home life for your children. One little, uh, one little tyke's apparent misunderstanding of the term broken home prompted this admonition from his father. 
He said, I don't care if the basement wall is cracking. Please stop telling everyone you come from a broken home. <laughs> Look, our kids should not come from broken homes. Okay? Let the, let the basement walls crack. Let the, let the rest of it fall apart, but, but, but let the home stand firm as far as the relationships go within the home. If you, were an I, if you want to provoke your children to wrath, go ahead. Go ahead and fight in front of them. Go ahead and yell and name call and throw things. Go ahead and threaten divorce. Go ahead and allow the kids to come between you, uh, you, and, you and your spouse. Go ahead and have a healthy marriage. But don't be surprised if your children are provoked to wrath. So you thought we were done with the marriage part of things. Uh, but see, having a strong Christian marriage relationship is, I don't know what percentage it is, but it's up there in the importance of raising our children. I would say that that's one of the most important things we can do as we raise our children. If we don't have a good relationship with our spouse, it's going to create uh, an insecure scenario. Quick, quick illustration. My my mom and dad, there was a portion when I was a teenager, there was a portion of time when my mom and dad were starting to not get along very well. And there was some fighting going on, and I was a teenager, my, my brother was a preteen, and, and uh, it was starting to get a little heated, and we were a little worried that things were not going to work out. And I remember my dad telling my brother and I, he said, hey, uh, let's go to the park, you and just, just the three of us, and we'll go play some, we'll toss the football around and, and just have some time as father and sons, because he, he, he recognized the fact that things were getting a little stressful in the house. So we get to the park, and we have our football, and he said, guys, uh, before we throw the football around, can I just talk to you guys for a minute? And, and we said, yeah, and he said, you probably have noticed that your mom and I have been, you know, not getting along super well recently, and we've been fighting. We all both nodded. And he said, I want you to know, you don't have to worry about us splitting apart. We're going to work this out. Don't you worry. We're going to make this. I'm not going to let us fall apart. Um, we're working on things, and we're making good progress, and... You don't have to worry about us getting a divorce or anything like that. I can tell you that was huge for us to hear. We needed to hear that because it was starting to get a little, uh, we were starting to really think that this thing wasn't going to work out. And you know what? My dad was right. They did work it out. He did stay faithful. They stayed together until the, until the Lord took my mom. But I'm telling you, when they were fighting, it was an insecure feeling as a, as a child, and I was a teenager. I, I, I should be stronger. Uh, I'm telling you, it was an insecure time for me. So mom and dad, that one is huge. Get along with each other. Have a good marriage. That's a huge part to raising children well. So do not provoke. Do not provoke. Last one we'll mention here, number two here, provide. Do provide. Do provide. A couple things that we do need to provide, uh, not, not mentioned here in, in uh, Colossians, but in Ephesians chapter 6, 
He says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is talking about the provision. So uh, while we're not to provoke them to wrath, we are to um, bring them up or to provide some things in their life. First of all, we're to provide spiritual instruction and leadership. This is our responsibility as parents to provide this spiritual instruction and leadership to our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in, the heart, in thine heart. And thou shalt, he's talking to fathers here, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So God gave the responsibility to uh, give this spiritual instruction and leadership. He gave that to parents, fathers in particular. It is our responsibility as moms and dads to be the spiritual influence in the lives of our children and to not necessarily delegate that to anybody else. And there are too many families uh, who uh, delegate this to the church, and while the church is to come alongside the parents and the family, it is not the church's sole responsibility to raise your children and to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is given to parents. So moms and dads, it's my responsibility and yours to raise our children, not necessarily the church's. Um, now again, the church is supposed to uh, come alongside, and we are. There is supposed to be instruction that should be taking place within the context of the church. But if you just say, "Well, hey, it's the parents' responsibility," then go for it. I thought about doing this. I saw a picture of this: a picture of uh, three thousand ping pong balls in a giant tube. Imagine that here, and it would it would go all the way up here and be a, a somewhat large uh, cylinder filled with ping pong balls. Those 3,000 ping pong balls represents, I think, um, the, uh, the hours that um, are given to parents every year. There's about eight hours a day. Um, you, you multiply that out, and eight hours by 365, and it comes to about 3,000-ish. So every year, God gives you as parents about 3,000 hours to raise your children. Or more. And you know what the church has? If you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we'll say, we'll call that four, four times 52, and probably 50, it's 200. You really think the church can do it when you have them for that much time? Okay, so it's not the church's sole responsibility to raise your kids. It's also not the government's sole responsibility to raise your kid. And, you know, well, yeah, but that's free, free education. I mean, that's a pretty amazing deal. Well, I had free education. I went to public school all my life until even uh, into one year of junior college government school. And 
uh, I'll just say this. It wasn't the most godly environment ever. So, moms and dads, it's our responsibility. We can't delegate it to someone else. We can't delegate it to a Christian school. We can't delegate it to a church. We can't delegate it to the government. It's my responsibility as a parent to raise my children and to give them spiritual instruction and leadership. So, the question is, are we doing it? Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How do we give this instruction? Well, we need to do it through our words. Deuteronomy 6 uh, tells us, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them. These are using words. When thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, it should not be this once in a great while thing where you all of a sudden now bring up spiritual matters. This should be a regular occurrence as you're just going through your normal life throughout the day, throughout whatever you're doing, through errands, through um, family vacations, through just regular routine of life, the Word of God should be coming forth. Thou shalt teach them not just flippantly, but diligently. Diligently. That word is there on purpose. So we need to do this through our words and then also through our walk, through our walk. Abraham Lincoln once said, There is only one way to bring up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel that way yourself. Good words, Mr. Lincoln, because there's too many Christian parents who say, Hey, young people, this is what you need to do, and they're not willing to do it themselves. So moms and dads, as you encourage your children to read the Bible every day, you better be reading the Bible every day. Uh, when you encourage your kids to stay away from bad influences, moms and dads, we need to stay away from bad influences. Hey, if, if again, as I brought up the movies a little while ago, if it's not good enough for uh, Junior, then it shouldn't be something that we seniors are uh, involved in. Because, uh, again, double standard, and you know, we don't want to just say, hey, you do what... I say not as I do, because that doesn't fly, especially as they get older. They're going to start looking at the hypocrisy and going, eh, yeah, like I'm going to listen to you about God. Spiritual instruction and leadership. And I think we'll end there tonight, um, and we'll pick it up here uh, next Sunday night. But there are some things we do need to provide for our children as parents. Spiritual instruction and leadership. Are we providing that in our homes? Is there uh, intentional, deliberate times of instruction? And is it just a common thing where just as we're going through the day, it comes up? Is that happening? I hope the answer is yes. And if not, I hope the answer will be yes after tonight. Well, let's pray together and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather together tonight and to hear the story of Jim Elliott and others who we're so passionate about giving the gospel to these Aka Indians. God, I pray as you um, have given us, uh, who are parents in here tonight, these children to give the gospel to. Help us to be as passionate about giving them the truth of God's work as much as Jim Elliott and the others were about reaching the Aka Indians. Help us, Lord, to reach our own children for your glory. 
Help us, Lord, to not provoke them to wrath, but instead to provide spiritual instruction and, and leadership in their life. Help us, Lord, not to delegate that to anyone else, but to remember that it is my responsibility and, as a parent to do that. And help us, Lord, to diligently do so um, as we go through our regular life. Help us, Lord, to look for ways uh, to get gospel truth to our children, to not delegate that to others. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help each parent in here today to have your wisdom and to, Lord, you, that you would guide and direct us. Lord, we don't have all the answers. Yet while your word does have the answers, Lord, sometimes we are just not sure exactly how to handle a certain situation. And help us, Lord, to look to you. And I pray, Lord, you would grant us wisdom as we raise our young lives, these young lives for you. And I pray, Lord, that they would walk in truth and that they would go in the right way. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.